today's Bible reading is from Revelation chapter 7, verses from 4 to 12. And I heard the number of the seal, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the Israelites, 12,000 sealed from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zeppelin, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 sealed from the tribe of Benjamin. After this, I looked, and there, were, and there was a vast multitude from the, every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne and along with the elders and the four living creatures, they were fell face down before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to your God forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God. It's great to be here with you. My name is Isaac. Uh, there's a few people in this room that I can see I haven't met yet. So I'd love to say hi after this service. And I'm sure there's people uh, joining up with us online as well. Now, when I mentioned that this was the topic for today, oh, what a, what a great picture. We've got to take, take a moment to just take that in. How good. <laughs> when I mentioned that this is on diversity, two people from this church, they kind of rolled their eyes. They're like, oh, yeah, okay. And I don't know exactly where I was coming from, but I chatted to them. And I think it was either that diversity is this thing that we kind of say to show that we're so, you know, virtuous. We're just sort of, we've got it all sorted. We're kind of virtue signaling, right? Or diversity can be this overused idea that basically justifies anything and everything, you know? We must, you know, not challenge or speak about the truth because of diversity. Often the call for diversity can be used as an encouragement to just say that truth is relative. That diversity for some people has become this absolute, that we just can't challenge people on what they think or how they live, that we must agree and just say it's all good, right? But is that what we're looking at here in our vision statement? When we say we want to be this ever-growing, diverse church family, what are we referring to? Well, it's not exactly that picture of diversity, is it? Now, we'll look at this concept of diversity as we go through today, but let's start by saying that diversity isn't an absolute. See, our vision statement is speaking of a certain aspects of diversity. 
See, we're referring to diversity in the way that God has made us in this amazing array of different colors, shapes, ages, abilities, ethnicities, uh, and languages. See, these aspects of our identity are simply descriptions about us, which glorify God in his amazing creativity. See, with this kind of diversity, we certainly celebrate it. And it's quite incredible, really, to look out at this crowd and to see each of your faces, which is a testament to this exact fact. I'll be encouraging us to embrace this diversity as we look through Scripture today. But what about other aspects of diversity? So we could loosely categorize what we're speaking about here as, you know, culture. Are we saying that we desire to be, you know, an ever-growing, diverse church culturally? Well, yes. When culture refers to, you know, ethnicity, language, but it's not quite that easy, is it? See, the many cultures in our world are full of both glory and shame. See, the definition here from uh, Don Carson, this uh, Christian theologian, is really helpful. It reminds us that this task of thinking about culture and Jesus is actually quite a difficult one. See, Christians cannot long think about Christ and culture without reflecting on the fact that this side of the fall, this world is simultaneously resplendent with glory and awash in shame. And that every expression of human culture simultaneously discloses that we were made in God's image and shows itself to be misshaped and corroded by human rebellion against God. See, anthropologists, they will tell us that all culture is simply neutral. Carson here describes culture as this human expression of both good and bad. The good in life showing we're made in God's image, but the bad showing the fall of humanity. See, culture in our world, it's this broad term that you might be wondering, what are we actually talking about here? Culture incorporates behaviours, values, beliefs and traditions. And cultural groups can be considered and assessed based on all kinds of aspects. There's all these different tools you can find online to kind of try to assess what different cultures are all about. You know, it might be how do certain cultures think about risk or time. You can go to websites like this following one. Uh, you can search Gert Hofstetter uh, country, compa- country Comparison and find this little tool. I use it quite a bit when I meet someone from a place in the world I'm not very familiar with. You can see there I've compared Australian culture in general with Indian culture in general. And there's a few different um, aspects that are being compared there. And you can kind of see how these different cultures might compare in different ways. Okay, so we've started today looking at diversity and culture. And now we've defined some terms. Let's consider our first reason why I want to encourage you to embrace diversity today. Diversity embraced, it declares the uniting power of Jesus as it reflects heaven. So as we celebrate diversity in our gatherings now, this shows the world that Jesus is strong enough to unite us, this kind of ragtag group of people. And it's a foretaste for eternity where we'll be perfectly united. See, heaven is a big reason why we have this word in our vision statement as a church. You can read in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, we're told how this group 
is from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. If you were on our youth camp last year, there might be a melody that you're thinking of as well. That was our memory verse. And we put this to memory because it's such a significant picture of eternity, of all nations standing before God, praising Him. And this is significant. I mean, who did we just read about in Revelation 7, as it was read for us, where we read about the tribes of Israel being in the heavenly throne room? Verse 4 says that all the tribes of Israel will be there. So Gentiles now are joining in, in this heavenly throne room, now praising God. It's incredible. It's a glorious image. And I love this quote about heaven. It says, If you don't like diversity, you're going to hate heaven. (laughs) It's the one place where no one will fight over whose cultural expressions are best suited for God's work. And it goes on. It's a great idea, isn't it? We ought to embrace uh, diversity now in our church as it points to eternity. And while we'll often find it really easy to relate with people like us, it's just a natural thing, right, to find communities who are similar to us, we ought to also rejoice when we find that we're surrounded by people very different to us. As our diversity now, it points to that picture in Revelation. But this isn't absolute diversity. Read with me in this passage about all of these people, all of these nations singing the same song. Can you imagine the roar of all nations singing praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever? Diversity is at its most beautiful when it's united in Christ like this, singing this one song to the God who deserves it. This massively varied crowd sings praises to God and to the Lamb. And you see this idea in Colossians 3 as well. In verse 11, we're taught that in Christ there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, But Christ is all and is in all. See, all of these true identity markers, like they're still Jewish people, right? All of these true identity markers are nothing compared to their identity in Christ. That's the identity that matters the most. And we see this in the passage that Paul instructs this group of varied people to be united in verse 16. We see that this group of, you know, Scythians, uh, Jews, circumcised, uncircumcised, verse 16, it says, Let the message of Christ dwell amongst you richly, as you teach and admonish one another, with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. See, their diversity reveals how strong Jesus is to unite this array of people by his gospel, by his word. They're not just embracing all types of diversity, right? They're hungry to be united by Jesus and have the gospel actually shape their community. Uh, Here's an example. You can have a diverse footy team full of, you know, a real range of different ethnic backgrounds, different ages, different abilities, I'm sure. Uh, The more that this team is united, it'll be more impressive. It'll be more striking, You know, the more that they find their common goals and work towards that, 
You'd hope their common goal is to, to win the season, right? At least. But it would be impressive. It would be striking if they had this common goal to socialise after every game and have a dinner together. That'd be awesome. But in that team, there will always be massive variation. There will always be massive division and contradiction just simply because they're from different upbringings, different worlds, different values. And more than that, their beliefs about God and the purpose of life will be different. Whereas with Jesus, true unity is actually possible. And not absolute unity as if all culture is erased or we all just somehow align in terms of every aspect of culture, our customs or our food preferences or traditions. But Jesus unites people unlike anything else in this world. Because his word is with us, his gospel is clear and spreading across the globe, and his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is amongst us doing this work of changing us for his glory. There is no other uniting power like it in our world. I got to see a snapshot of this one summer when I went camping with about 20 of my friends from an international student ministry a number of years ago. Uh, that's, we're actually sitting on the back of my ute at the time. Um, somehow it didn't have all the tyres pop. Uh, we went to the ruins campsite in Booty Booty National Park up on the coast. Uh, and it was a great time. We all camped there. We cooked dumplings on the back of the ute. And we caused this real kind of spectacle in this campsite. And a number of people came up and were just, they, they wanted a dumpling, I think. But... We got to kind of chat to them and share with them and they showed such an interest that this diverse group were all hanging out and loving each other. And we got to talk to them about Jesus, that it was simply by Jesus that we were so united. How cool is that? And, and, and I hope here at TAC, and I see this at TAC again and again, that we embrace our diversity, not for our own virtue signaling or, or for our own clout, but as a way of giving thanks for what God is doing in our world and as a way to point to the heavenly throne room. And as we celebrate our difference together, we're actually showing how Jesus is the uniting factor, stronger than anything else in this world. He made people from every nation, tribe, people and tongue. Jesus himself was a brown-skinned, Middle Eastern Jewish man, but he delights to make people with all different kinds of skin, colour, eye colour, hair and body type. Jesus loves to be creative with us, so let us praise him for his creativity. Now we've seen that diversity now, it points to eternity and our unity in Jesus. Well, Embracing diversity now does more than this. It also declares our priority. Now point two, it shows that our identity in Christ is our priority. This is a point kind of relating to this idea of membership. In this point, we'll consider how embracing diversity might not come naturally to us, but it's a chance to show the world that our identity in Jesus takes priority over anything else that might identify us. As we hold on our identity loosely, we can adapt and better love people in our community. You can see this principle in Romans chapter 14. It should come up on your screen there. Uh, we're told, therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not 
destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. He describes there first in verse 13 that we should not put a stumbling block in the way of a brother or sister. Now here it's, it's basically this idea of forcing someone to eat something they thought was sinful, something they thought was unclean. Maturity in that scenario is seen in the Christian who gladly gives up their rights to eat that food out of love for their neighbour. They decide, I'm not going to eat today to love my friend who thinks this is a sinful act, even when they know they're actually free to eat that thing. See, embracing diversity like this is actually an opportunity to love others by giving up our rights as we consider what will be most helpful for our friend. And we don't want them to stumble in any way. And as we give up our preferences, this actually reveals our core identity. As we, it's all about our identity in Christ. We hold loosely to these other identity markers that we have. And you can see a similar scenario played out in Acts 15. In that chapter, it's a similar conclusion that's reached. See, the Gentile believers, they shouldn't be burdened with Jewish practices. Those Jewish practices don't actually lead to their salvation or them growing in Jesus. So they don't have to follow those traditions. See, we're not to force others to follow our own, you know, cultural, traditional customs. And yet in Romans 14, in this passage, we see that we can be flexible. We can adapt in terms of our culture. In fact, this is encouraged. We'll often withhold our own rights out of love for others. So when a church you know, values each person in the group and actually adapts culturally, this shows that the group doesn't just centre around one type of person or one culture for the benefit of one group to the exclusion of others. A church gathering ought to consider all who meet and how best to love the entire group of people in that moment in time. It's a hard task to do, right? Our Charles Craft, he helps us see that culture isn't our main priority. He says the true God exists as he is, outside of culture, whether or not he is accurately perceived by those within culture. God endorses no culture, but willingly uses any culture. Culture is a vehicle used by God, Satan or human beings. There's no culture that is unusable. See, membership in God's church is about Jesus and his people. It's not just about me. We really are a collective here in Tungabi Anglican Church. And this means that we actually want to grow in our cultural intelligence as we think through who makes up our community. Uh, there will be many times that we put our foot in it and we kind of um, we totally misunderstand someone's culture or we, we flat out offend them. But let's keep consider, considering how we might be causing unneeded offence to people just because of cultural aspects. Let's hold loosely our own culture, our own cultural norms for the sake of love. And to make this concrete, well, I think our church is going through a bit of this transition even as we speak, as we consider food in our many events that we run. I love a good barbecue. I love a sausage sanger and some tomato sauce. I love the Bunnings barbecues you get on a Saturday morning. It's great, right? Uh, but there are many people in our area that just would not normally eat that food. 
or are simply vegetarian for all kinds of reasons. And I love that we're actually considering what options we are able to provide in order to love people better. And there are some real uh, pioneers here that I'm looking at in this room who've really brought this to our attention. And I love my sausage sanger, but I love people far more than that. So let's consider how we might be able to adapt. And today we might be inquisitive about culture. Uh, We could even ask each other about your cultural background and are there particular things that we might be doing here in Tungabi which might be causing people to be confused or stumble because of just these traditions that we're doing here in our community. It could be related to food that we eat or unspoken traditions or the way that we run our services. What might actually change? This could be quite significant ways or really small things along the way. For example, uh, I remember choosing to adapt culturally for the sake of a group and it was really hard. It was a really small kind of laughable moment though, to be honest. Uh, I was with a bunch of my friends from all kinds of different backgrounds and we went out for ice cream one night um, and people just started offering their ice creams around and people had the cones of ice cream and they, this is pre-COVID, you can probably tell. Um, they were just offering that for them that was a very normal thing to do to offer food in that way and I was there and I'd never done that before and I thought I can do this that's fine and before I even off like finished the sentence the guy next to me just went in and licked my ice cream before I even realized Uh, and it was a bit of a shock um, and he went for it and this whole situation just showed me how different my friends viewed sharing and being part of the group, and what was good for the group. Now, a specific area for us today, though, apart from ice cream sharing, is thinking about how we can communicate with someone who requires simple English. I think that's something that would be good for us today to consider for a moment. Uh, We praise God that there are quite a number in our church at the moment who uh, require a bit more simple English. What a display of our diversity. Uh, We often overlook how we communicate with those who need uh, simple English. And I don't think we've quite nailed this in our sermons or in exactly what we're doing here, but we are wanting to grow in this area. As a 19-year-old in a Bible study with international students, I used to say words like, oh, I suppose this means this. Uh, Or I'd say, yeah, nah, yeah, I reckon this is probably what verse 3 means. I would slur my words and I'd say them really slowly and I'd just say it how I did growing up and no one knew what I was talking about. In this Bible study, people said, what are you saying? Can you just say that again? (laughs) Yeah, nah. (laughs) I had to think, what was actually the most helpful in that moment? I had to actually adapt and out of love and not just take it as this kind of personal attack on how I communicated. So I'd love us to consider that. Even as we chat to someone after, what would be the most helpful thing? How could we change one thing about how we communicate today? Uh, Recently, we've had a lot of TAC members head along to the Satya Conference, uh, reaching people from South Asia. Uh, It was a conference, really the first time it's it's run here in Sydney, uh, about reaching our South Asian brothers and sisters and how we can love them as well. And that conference was quite unlike anything I'd ever been to before. I've been to heaps of conferences. I'm a conference junkie. But I'd never been part of a cultural minority at a conference. Just never had to experience that, right? 
And I think it's an experience every one of us should have purely to understand what that's like for people who pretty much every day are in a cultural minority. And I was really encouraged to see so many people from our church at that conference. And if you weren't able to get to the Satya conference, there's actually um, a bunch of the latest Southern Cross magazine that, that goes through what actually happened at that, uh, at that conference. Uh, to wrap up this uh, point, though, may we continually continue to gladly give up our freedoms and our cultural norms in order to love the entire church family. That's what we've seen in that second point. Uh, and our last point for today, uh, diversity embraced, it helps us understand and share the gospel better. And this is really talking about mission at this point. See, if we as a community embrace diversity in terms of many aspects like ethnicity or demographics like age or language, I think this will actually help each of us to understand the gospel better and share it with others more efficiently and and see more fruit. Now, we're spending our time in this point in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I might uh, share in its blessings. See, Paul was so glad to embrace diverse cultures in order to save people. I wonder if you've gone through this similar kind of thought process or change. Maybe you've gone along with a friend to a particular festival or adapted in some way. And I think as we do this, we do understand the gospel a bit better in a couple of ways. Firstly, we can understand God's gracious accommodation to us. So as we accommodate to someone else, maybe as we chat to a child after the service, or we chat to someone from a really different background to us, we ought to be reminded that God accommodates to us all the time. Jesus became human for us. Jesus lowered himself for us. He became a servant for us. He died for us. He graciously accommodates in so many ways. So let this motivate us to do the same in our community and to accommodate to those around us. Embracing diversity also helps us understand the gospel as our own cultural blind spots are revealed. They might be misinterpretations or part of our worldview that we just can't see for ourselves. Uh, Our worldview is simply this lens with which we see the world. Uh, Paul Hebert says this about, oh sorry, it's not on the screen there, uh, says this about worldviews. He says, like glasses, worldview shapes how we see the world around us. They are what we look with, not what we look at. It is hard for us to see our worldview. Others see it better than we do ourselves. Isn't that true? It's so hard to see our own worldview. Others can see it far better than what we can. And a diverse church community will actually help us to see this better, to discern our own worldviews. And we can start to discern where we've let our cultural experiences, our cultural convictions take over what Scripture is actually saying. We can cut ties with that cultural baggage. Um, I had this experience a number of years ago with a friend I was reading the Bible with. 
he was a guy uh, from Singapore, uh, Chinese background from Singapore, and we talked about this topic of honouring parents. Uh, I, had, I, thought, I thought I had it all figured out, but over the years, I realised that he and a few other friends really challenged me with how I honoured my parents. I had a very Australian, Western view of that. Country town, it's, it's my experience, right? And I was challenged and, and actually have pursued that more and more because of this person from a different culture who he spoke to me about what it looks like to honour his parents in Singapore and it was far more regular, far more, more involved and it was a real challenge to me. It was so good for me. So we need people from these different cultures as well. And embracing diversity can have a great evangelistic outcome as well. That's why Paul adapts here to save desperate people. So it's, at this point, it's worth us considering who are our neighbours? Uh, what kind of people are around our area here in Sydney? Here in our streets of Toongabi? And who actually is filling our seats at the moment in TAC? Who should we work harder engaging and welcoming in? You can see the first graph there. We've, we've done a bit, you know, kind of our best efforts there of looking through our own data. This involves people who are members at our church. Um, for this one here, we've done our best to, to uh, collate people's ages. We don't have everyone's date of birth on our um, database, so there we go. But I think it still shows us uh, a lot about our suburb and our church. It's awesome to see a growing and thriving kids and youth ministry in our church. You can see that, right? All the green bars right at the start there. And I, I want to always see a high proportion of this in our church. But look at that spike in 30 to 40-year-olds in our area. Did you know that? Have you noticed that? <laughs> Maybe there's more families and young middle-aged workers coming to Toongabi to live. And so it actually makes sense that many of our missional activities involve kids with that kind of demographic and young workers. And it's worth us asking, how will we connect with men and women in their 30s and 40s in schoolyards, in sports grounds or in pubs? How are we going to reach these many people who call Tungabi home? And it's so great to see lots of conversations bubble up uh, even throughout this year. Uh, we have another graph now showing ethnicity in our church. Now, again, this is our best kind of generalisation as we've looked through all of our members in our church. And we've kind of uh, broken it up into four different uh, categories there. Uh, Anglo, others, Asian and South Asian. And now we can look at how that actually compares to our area. Now, there's another graph there that should come up. There we go. So while we have quite a, a portion of South Asian people in our church, there's actually a lot more uh, in our area. The ratio is much, much higher. But we can actually see progress here in our church, which I'm so encouraged by, and I get to see regularly. I uh, am following up new people in our church and seeing everyone who comes through the welcome lunches every couple of months. And over the last four months... Uh, about 60% of our newcomers have been uh, from non-Anglo backgrounds. So actually we're becoming more diverse as time goes on. And it's fantastic to see. And as Mike said last week, most of these newcomers, they're actually not coming because of our direct missional kind of invite. So the question remains, how do we expect to reach our diverse community, this diverse community we live in? 
And hopefully you can see how some of our efforts of trying to reach our area is based on this data. We haven't just sort of spun a globe and thought, which kind of cultural background are we going to try to reach today? We've simply considered who lives around Tungabi, and we've sought to reach them. And we've done it in a number of ways, uh, particularly with a, with a great drive towards South Asian um, yeah, ministry. So through partnership with Clive, which we've already heard about today, he's reaching South Asians and Hindus. Uh, through door knocking, which Dan, uh, we heard about uh, in that video, people going out to reach people in our area. Uh, even, yeah, people planning to head out to the um, Diwali Festival. I, I know nothing about the Diwali Festival, so tell me about it uh, if you know something. But that's coming up, and you can chat to myself or Mike to hear what the plans are as we plan for that festival and think how can we be present for the many people from South Asia that will, go, will come along. Uh, you might have heard about the Mark drama that was planned as well. That's actually not going ahead this year, as we heard from uh, Mike last week. So we're actually going to be focusing on this festival instead. So do come to us, chat to us if you're interested uh, in that festival. Uh, and another initiative just to bring to your attention as well is the prayer, book, uh, prayer booklets that are up the back on the, the table as well. Um, they're a prayer resource that Clive has actually made for the Hindu world um, so that we actually be, can be praying for our Hindu uh, brothers and sisters. So I encourage you to grab one of those today as well. Now, I, I long for our church to be diverse. I, I hope you do too. I hope today has kind of been a real um, energizing day to embrace diversity however God brings it. And God will bring who he will bring to our church, right? We, in a few years' time, we might have a Fijian service for all I know. Uh, who knows? But may we be ready to embrace whoever comes through our doors, to welcome them in as we've been welcomed into uh, God's family. I might pray now in light of all this. Do pray with me. Our dear Father, we do pray that you would help us to embrace diversity, even when it's hard, even when we easily want to do our own thing or have our own cultural uh, traditions and norms. We do pray that you'd help us to embrace uh, this community that you've placed us in uh, and might we always be united by the gospel of Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.